you know, it's the season of streaming. Even for me, I'm streaming conferences that I would normally go to. We're streaming church all the time. I mean, it's just, it's the season of streaming. And, uh, you know, maybe this doesn't sound very spiritual to you, but my wife and I, we love looking for good things to stream. And, you know, earlier this year, there was a series that came out on Netflix and it's called The Last Dance. And we got to the last episode of The Last Dance. And I've got to be honest, I, I hated it. I thought I want the series to keep going. You know, I, I don't like it when you get to the end of something and, and you want it to keep going. And uh, I don't know if you've, you've you know been watching a Netflix series and suddenly it comes to an end and you think, oh, is this the end or is, are they going to get another season? Is there going to be enough budget for another season? Has it been approved? You know, I, I think I'm okay if it ends well, but if there's some tension, I think it can't end like this. You know, like for me, I'm, I think, wait, we're, we're in the middle of the story. You know, it can't be the end. Wait, you know, is it, is it the end? Wait, is it the end of the story or is it the middle of the story? You know, and I've discovered that life can be like that. Sometimes we're in the middle, but it might be the end. But we don't know if we are in the middle. Like, is this the end? Is this how things are going to end up for me? Is this how things are going to end? Like in terms of my circumstances or, or my challenges? Like, or is there another chapter to be written? Will things be different for me in the future? And, and sometimes, you know, we just don't know. When we read the Bible, we read the whole thing. We read the beginning, the middle, we get to read the end. But just for a moment, just spare a thought for the disciples who had walked with Jesus for three years and by their own confession believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And now here they are watching their Messiah dying on the cross and they're looking at him. And I wonder if they thought to themselves, is this the end? Is this the end? Is this how it's going to end up? Like we thought that things would be different. We thought that it would not end like this. And sometimes we get caught like that. We just don't know. So what I want to do is I want to read a scripture today. And this scripture is normally read at an Easter service, but I'm going to read it to you today anyway, because I think that God wants to say something through this. So I'm reading out of the New Testament, the book of John, uh, chapter 19, verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want to share a message with you this morning called The Last Word. I don't know about anyone else's kids. Maybe you don't have children, but you, you've seen this or maybe experienced this. My kids are pretty good. You know, they, they get along really well, but occasionally they do argue. You know, when they argue, for some reason, they always have to have the last word. They have to say the last thing. And it's a stupid argument to break up, to be honest, because you feel like you're saying, okay, that's enough. 
stop, you've said enough, no more, nobody speak. And, and then you just start advocating for silence. Come on, everybody, be quiet, nobody say anything. You know, they have to have the last word. Or it's worse than that. When they were really little, sometimes it would get a li- into a little bit of push and shove. So they would say, you know, they would they would push and then it would be the last push and then it's the last touch and they had to be the last person to touch the other person. And, and, you know, it's just crazy. And I don't know, maybe you've never experienced this, but I can tell you, this is what my kids have done. And I don't know why they need to have the last push or the last word or the last touch. You know, adults kind of do this too. I used to have this friend of mine, her name was Maddie. She was from the UK and... I've discovered I think this might be a thing with people from the UK. Now, you know, if you are from the UK, I just want to let you know, I love people from the UK, but they have this weird way of hanging up a phone sometimes. And so what my friend Maddie used to do is when she would hang up, she would say, bye, 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 bye. And then she'd hang up. And I remember the first time that I heard that and I thought, why did she do that? And I thought that was odd. But every time I spoke to her, she'd say, bye, 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 bye. And she'd say it all the way up until the moment that she hung up the phone. Why was it so important for her to have the last word? We see this all the time. If you ever got caught in like an SMS or, a, or maybe an email loop and everyone is saying goodbye and everyone's saying that they got the message, just a hot tip. You don't have to reply all to everyone all the time. Just reply to the sender sometimes. You know, it, it helps. But you get caught in this loop and everyone's saying just one more thing and you, you kind of can't get out of it. I don't know what it is about the last word. But I think, you know, the last word is sometimes it's, it's the end of the story. It closes off the moment. It's almost like closure in some way. So Jesus said these words. He said, it is finished. And I'm like, what? What is finished? I mean, he can't be talking about his life. It's not his life that's finished. That's kind of obvious. Here he is. He's on the cross. He's about to die. To tell everyone I'm about to die, it would seem kind of obvious. I think it's so much more significant than that. If you look at what happened back in in the scriptures, he says, I thirst. Now, the only reason he said the words, I thirst, is because he wanted to have something to drink. And the reason he wanted something to drink was so that he could lubricate his vocal cords because he was getting ready to say something that was going to be extremely important. And he wanted everyone to hear. He planned on saying it loud. This thing that Jesus was saying was a declaration to everyone that could hear him. You know, I think if something had to come to an end, then where did it start? If he says it's finished, where did it begin? And I can tell you where it began. If you open your Bible and you were to look all the way to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and you start to read the story about Adam and Eve, and if you don't know the story, here is a very quick recap. God created Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden and he told them that you are not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he says, the day that you do it, you shall surely die. Okay, so he's saying that this is a sin. Well, you know, the devil comes along and says, no, of course you can eat it. They said, we can't do that. The devil says, yes, you can. He says, when you have this fruit, you'll become like God. Well, you know the story. They listen to the devil. They eat the fruit. And what we see immediately after that is this separation from God. Now, once you've been separated from God, how do you begin to work your way back? 
And the way that they would do it is they did it through what we call a covenant. Now, that's a word that we don't hear very often. And uh, let me explain it to you. The word covenant is like an agreement. It's like a promise, but far more significant. And in a covenant agreement, that is how people would relate to God. So when we look in the Old Testament, we see all these different arrangements that people had through time and history with God. We just call those things covenants. And that would be the way they would connect with God. And the way that you would do well with God is that you obey all of his laws. You obey all of his commandments. And, you know, if you think even about the law of Moses, 613 commandments, you break one, you're guilty of breaking them all. Honestly, it's tiring just thinking about trying to keep up with all of that. And so here they are and they, they everyone's trying to do the right thing and, and obey God's law and they keep failing miserably. And that is something that we see consistently up until this exact moment. See, it's in this moment that he says, all of that is finished. All of that is done. The reason is, is Jesus entered that approach to God. If you look from the apple to the cross, sin ruled and death reigned. And the truth is, it had been there so long that it looked permanent. It had been there so long that people just grew accustomed to it. People lived their entire lives under a relationship with God that was completely based on works, and they just figured that this is the way that things might be forever. And then Jesus comes with his final words, and he says, It is finished. What was finished was the Old Testament. By the way, the word testament actually means covenant. So when we talk about the Old Testament, we're talking about all the different agreements that people had with God up until Jesus brought in a new agreement with God. And that's why we call it the New Testament. It's a new covenant. It's a new relationship that we have with God. Now, don't get me wrong, because I love, you know, the Old Testament. I love reading the stories in the Old Testament. They are amazing. We learn so much about God. We learn about our own history as Christian people. And we understand what God did in different times and how he acted. And we see things in the Old Testament that we would never see in the New Testament. I love it. But everything we believe about our relationship with God is all found in the New Testament. It's not in the Old Testament. The New Testament is the foundation for our relationship with God. It's how we connect with him. Now, there's something powerful about Jesus's last words, it is finished. Now, I think that people throughout time and history have said that little phrase, it is finished, uh, a bazillion times. How's that coffee going? It is finished. How is your breakfast? It is finished. I would say to my son, Judah, have you done your homework? It is finished. People say it is finished all the time. But it's something different about when Jesus says the words, it is finished, because he is the author of life. Now, when the author writes a chapter, it changes the story. And I want you to understand the significance of Jesus saying it, but not only that. I want you to understand the significance of how powerful Jesus's words really are. Jesus once said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will remain. You know, if God spoke to you 
and he said to you, gave you a promise, made you a promise about anything, this is how you need to understand it. It is more likely that you wake up tomorrow morning and heaven and earth are gone. The, the earth is gone, heaven is gone, they've passed away. It is more likely that those things are gone than for one thing that Jesus says to not come to pass. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Now, when the church started, they absolutely believed in the power of Jesus's words. They believed this. Now, when I say the word church, I'm not talking about people that might occasionally visit church and and. I, I'm, let me explain it. The word church actually comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, and that means God's community. It's the people that are really connected to God, not just connected to occasionally going to a building, but really connected to God. And it's not just the people that believe in God, but it's God's followers. It's Jesus's followers. Trust me, the devil believes in God, but I promise you he is not a follower of Jesus. And so you can see the difference. We have people that believe in God, but his followers, the people that are connected to his community, that's called his church. And so the early church, when, when it started all, uh, they really believed this. And the church had one message, and that message was the gospel. And the gospel is the greatest message that I think the world has ever heard. And here it is really briefly. If you look back through time and history, just like I was saying before, so many people tried to connect with God by behaving, doing the right things and failing miserably over and over. The way that we have a relationship with God is that it's by grace through faith in Christ. So this is what Christian people believe. We believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that he paid the penalty for our sins. Now, if you put your faith in Jesus and the penalty for your sin has already been paid, then you never need to pay it. So what does that mean? Well, it means that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. We simply call that the gospel. And I think it's an inc incredibly uplifting and powerful and encouraging message. I think it's the greatest message we've ever heard. Now, I want you to listen to how it started. And I'm going to read to you out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, every time the disciples would come up against opposition, they always remembered the words that Jesus spoke to them. They remembered the power of his words. He's the author of life. When he says it, it matters. When Jesus says it, it makes a difference. I want you to look at this. This is what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Now, I did a quick word study and looked up the word all. And in the Greek, the word all means all. That's right. So it's like all authority has been given to Jesus. All of the authority, everything has been given to him. Now he's got it. So the disciples knew that no matter what they were facing, that Jesus always had the last word. 
everything that he would say would happen. Everything that Jesus said would come to pass. And they had lived with Jesus long enough to know that this was true. So when we read the Gospels, we see the the disciples that were threatened, that were persecuted, that were punished, that went through incredibly difficult times. And even though they went through really hard times, they all understood that the moment that Jesus spoke against that season, spoke against that, you know, that threat or that punishment or whatever they were going through, they knew that that would be the end of it. They believed and completely trusted in Jesus. See, every miracle that Jesus did was a major problem until Jesus had the last word. I mean, that's what a lot of the miracles were about, solving impossible problems, changing the narrative, taking people's lives in a completely different uh, direction. And Jesus would do miracles. The people, they had lived with them so long, they thought nothing could ever shift and nothing could ever change. But remember, Jesus always has the last word. You know, years ago, my wife and I, we wanted to buy an, an, a house. So we had we owned a, a small home at the time, but, you know, we were having children and we knew that we needed to move into something a little larger. And we really felt like God spoke to us and said, it's time to sell this house and, and buy another. So believe it or not, but inside one month, we'd put our house on the market and it sold. Then we bought some land and we were planning to build. Now we had the land, but by the time we got ready to build, there was a slump in the economy the land value was worth less than what we paid for it. We lost in in just a matter of a couple of months, maybe $50,000 of equity in our property. Now we didn't have the borrowing power to get the loan to buy the house. So we started, you know, trying to get loans and one by one, the the bank and, and the you know, the branch manager or the lending manager would come back and say, no, your loan has been rejected. And I went to a lending manager um, and, and I said, hey, wh- what do we need to do? How do we deal with this? Like we have bought this property and we need to build a house. How do we handle this situation? So he said, well, look, I'll help you. But a couple months later, he said, you need to understand something, Ben. He said, you've now been peppered with applications and no one is going to give you a loan to buy that house. It's just not going to happen. You should sell the property, count your losses and just move on with life. Now, in one hand, I had the opinion of a professional. I had the opinion of an expert. And in the other hand, I've got what I think God said to me and I've got to make a decision here. What am I going to do? Well, I couldn't sleep one night. So, and this is a little odd, but I'll tell you the truth. I got up, it was about two in the morning. We're living with my parents at the time who didn't live that far from the property that that we had bought. So I got up at about two in the morning and I walked all the way over to the property and I stood there. It's like 2.30 in the morning and I just start prophesying over the property. I just said, you know, in Jesus' name, I pray that this house will be built. I said what I had to say and then that was the end of it. Thank God nobody came to their window and look at this madman standing at the end of the driveway talking to a piece of property. Gosh, that would have been so odd. So I go home. I get into bed and I go to sleep, peace in my heart. The next day we get up and we've got one more bank that we're going to call. And so the branch manager gives me a call and says, the lending manager is no longer able to meet with you. They've had something come up in their personal life. They need to take a few months off work, but 
I can meet with you instead if you're happy to keep that appointment. I said, of course. So I hung up the phone. Now, I wanted the spiritual points on this. So I looked at my wife immediately and I said, hey, I'm telling you right now, this is providence. I'm not saying that God made the man sick or gave him problems in his personal life, but he has worked all things together for our good right now. And I'm telling you, we're going to walk in there and we're going to get that loan. We walked in there. We explained it to the to the branch manager. It all made sense to her. She gave us the loan. Well, a couple months later, the, the branch manager comes back and he finds out the deal that we made with the Oh, the um, with the with the branch manager, and he, the lending manager couldn't believe that she would actually give it to us. And I look at that story, and I think, you know, here are all the experts saying it's never going to happen. And at the end of the day, we just had to put our faith in God and trust that He would have the final word over our situation and our circumstance. And I don't think that my story is unique. I think that. You know, whenever it comes to healing or just the storms of life or you've got financial issues in your own life, there is this tension. And the tension is, is this over? Is this how my story ends? Or is there another season? Is there another chapter? Does Jesus have just one more word to speak to my circumstance to completely shift and change everything on a dime? You know, as a believer and even as a pastor, I often hold the tension of present problems while proclaiming that Jesus has the last word. I mean, sometimes we get up and we pray and and we believe and we confess and you wake up the next day and the problem is still there. And I refuse to get discouraged because I know that the moment that Jesus acts and the moment that he speaks that everything will be different for me. And I've been there many times, and maybe you have as well, where you say, you know, Jesus, this is the last hour. It's the 11th hour. I've seen this. I've heard that. It looks impossible, but it's okay. Because Jesus, you have the last word on this. Sometimes the problems that you're facing have been with you for so long that you just accept that this is the way things are going to be forever, that this is just going to be your life. In other words, those problems look permanent. That's okay. Let Jesus have the last word. His word carries weight and he can close off one season and he can open another. I want to tell you, don't stop praying. Keep taking your situation to God. Keep believing that Jesus has the last word. You've got to let Jesus have the last word over your life. If you are going through an addiction right now, and maybe it's a secret thing and nobody knows about it, I'm telling you that Jesus can have the last word over that addiction. It doesn't have you forever. Jesus has got the last word for that. Someone is listening right now. And I know that you're going through a health challenge and maybe that you've received a diagnosis. It's, It's not good. Maybe it's cancer. I'm telling you that Jesus has the last word over cancer. You've got a bad back. You've got a sore knee. You've got something wrong with your hips. Whatever it is, you've got to understand it. Jesus has the last word. See, there's not one problem that you could tell me about today 
that Jesus doesn't have authority over. Remember what the scriptures said. All authority has been given to him. That's everything. Right now, some of you are in financial challenges. You, listening to this, you could have a financial struggle. Jesus has the last word over your finances. Some of you are going through a really rough time in your marriage right now. And maybe for you, this season of isolation has been very hard. And we know it has for a lot of people. And maybe what you think right now is that you just can't do another day, that this is the end of your marriage. Let Jesus have the last word over your marriage. Because I'm telling you right now, Jesus said it is finished, but he is not finished speaking. You know, early in the 2000s, I remember I was, you know, straight out of uni and I didn't know what I was going to do. I I really, when I looked in, I didn't have skills or talent or ability. I, I really didn't know anything that I was going to do. And I would hear this voice that would regularly speak to me. And it said, you will never be successful. You're not actually good at anything. What are you going to do? You're never going to do anything significant. And I heard that. And I've got to tell you the truth. In part, there was a small part of me that actually believed that up until the moment that I gave my life to Jesus. And the moment that I put my life in his hands, I said, well, I've heard that voice, but you have the last word over my life. You have the last word over my destination. I remember I joined a church and I was on a team and there was a person that I was serving under. And, you know, sometimes we got to give leaders a break, you know, guys, because they're just human like everyone. And the leader that I was serving under, they were going through a really difficult time. And I remember one day this person said to me, you will never make it on this team. Well, they were kind of right. Like I didn't just be on the team, I ended up leading the team and leading the church. I guess they were completely right, you know? I mean, the truth is, is that I heard those words spoken, but I refused to allow that to dictate to me what I should believe about my own life. You know why? Because at the end of the day, I just believed that Jesus had the last word. And if I was going to be totally honest with you today, I could tell you that over the, the last two years in my immediate family, we've gone through some health scares and some health challenges. And my wife had gone to hospital and they were talking about diagnosing her with some pretty serious and significant things. And I heard all of the wrong words that I didn't want to hear over her health and over her future, spoken by professionals and experts. And at the end of the day, even though I had all the opinions of other people, I just said, God, you've given all authority on heaven and earth to Jesus. No matter what I hear, Jesus, you have the last word. And I can tell you that today there is no diagnosis over my family. All of us are healthy. All of us are well. And I praise God that that's the situation that I'm walking in today. And I don't know where you are at. And I don't know what challenges you are going through. But the same faith that I confess is the same faith that you can begin to confess over your own life. And I feel like for some of you, you might have been let down and you hear this and your heart tells you, no, that guy, Pastor Ben's speaking this morning, he's overselling this, you know, he's overselling it. You, you put your faith in God and you're going to be disappointed. You know, I got to tell you that that is an absolute lie because hope doesn't oversell God's ability 
It simply points to possibilities. See, faith sees problems as opportunity. And I tell you this morning, if you have a lot of problems in your life, that is a target-rich environment. There are so many things that God can do in your life. There are so many words that Jesus can speak over you and change your life. So here's what you need to do. You need to pray because prayer creates space for Jesus to have the last word. It's like you invite him and his authority into your life and you say, God, you have the last word over my life, no matter what I've heard or no matter what I'm facing. See, I think prayer is a lens that focuses God's potential onto our present problems. So no matter where you are today, no matter the diagnosis, no matter the challenge you face, no matter the financial situation, no matter where your marriage is today, don't stop praying. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning, the person that is listening to this and saying, I have got a situation that really needs the attention of God. I have a circumstance that looks impossible. I want to pray for you. Some of you don't know if you are at the end of your story or is this just the middle part? Is this just the chapter that comes before God begins to answer all of the challenges that are in your life. And so I want to pray for you. And to me, it doesn't matter whether it's sickness or relationship or financial, because I believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the one who wants to help you. So here's what I'm going to do. This might sound a little strange, but wherever you are this morning, maybe just take a moment, maybe even place your hand on your heart. If you're somewhere and you're listening to this and you're in a public space, maybe just close your eyes for just a moment and just join with me as I pray. Dear Jesus, you know everything that's happening in the lives of people all around the world. But Father, we pray specifically for whatever is going on in the lives of people that are agreeing with this prayer right now. And I pray, Jesus, that you would come and alleviate sickness right now. If it's financial, Father, I pray that you bring financial solution. God, maybe it's just mental health, and I pray, Jesus, that you set them free. But we place every sickness, every challenge, every tension, every storm, every situation, we place it all under your authority, Jesus. And I pray that, God, this morning, on Sunday, the 25th of October, that you begin to set people free. I pray that you speak to them. I pray that they would feel encouraged. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.